This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You might assume we're both good at presenting to a live audience because of this podcast. But at the end of the day, when we record, it really feels like we're just talking to one another. Presenting information in person in a formal setting to a large audience is something that still makes us really nervous. To prepare for a live speaking event we're hosting together, we turn to our masterclass subscription to not only refine our presentation skills, but to build our confidence in a different kind of public speaking capacity. Between Robin Roberts, Hillary Clinton, and Kevin Hart's expertise, our confidence skyrocketed. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Don't just talk about improving. Masterclass helps you actually do it. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master negotiate with Chris Voss, think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or plan your dream wedding with celebrity event planner Mindy Wise, Masterclass has you covered. There are over 200 classes to pick from with new classes added every month, like our latest aha moments from Robin Roberts' effective and authentic communication class that we watched before our event presentation. She taught us how to establish a genuine connection with the audience from the start. I'll always be a little nervous before presenting, but Masterclass prepared us in a way that dialed my nerves down and gave me tools to ground myself. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. And right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Get 50% off right now at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Welcome to Shrink Chicks. I'm Emily Beerley. And I'm Jennifer Chaikin. And we're licensed marriage and family therapists and owners of the Therapy Group. We're on a mission to make therapy and therapeutic topics more relatable and accessible. So stay tuned, because in order to grow yourself, you gotta know yourself. Hey, Jen. Hey, Em. You know, we said we were, were going to start these differently. I think we actually got um, suggestions for how to start these. And we you, you have to tell me them. Uh, we have to look at them because I didn't even get to look at them. I need them. I forgot you're not on social media, so you don't I'm know off. that. I'm off yeah. the gram. Do you think people are annoyed about me talking about being off the gram yet? I'm like, at this point, I'm like holier than thou. I'm like, well, I'm not on. Uh, I don't know if you know, but I'm not on Instagram. I'm Except- like, oh my gosh, <sighs> I'm actually not on social media. Gross. As if I wasn't fucking addicted five months ago. But the way I act is like really like. But also, real I have myself. to say, I have to say, you are real deep into Reddit. Okay, yeah, no, 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 oh, yeah, no, 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 that's, (laughs) it's so bad. You're deep, you know, like, I really respect you getting off Instagram, but I do have to say, I think you maybe replaced (laughs) Reddit. Okay, but didn't I send you good Reddit stuff this week? Yeah, you did. You sent me the best Reddit stuff. There's hilarious things, but I was also saying, okay, so Jen went to Taylor Swift on Friday. Life-changing. Life-changing. We should we should also say she was gifted a ticket because I think people need to know that those tickets are the most astronomically priced things I can I ever imagine. Who can afford that? I have such a good friend yeah. who was like, we're just doing this. So the night before, she bought us tickets and I 
told her I would take care of her the whole night. But I'll tell you, it was life-changing. So I call Emily Thursday night because we were supposed to record this on Friday. (laughs) And I called her and I was like, I am so sorry. I have to change this recording date. And she, of course, was so understanding. (laughs) So, (laughs) Well, it was funny because you're like, Laura called me. (laughs) <laughs> she is that her name right no, I, nicole because I, I was thinking about laura our therapist yeah, well, yeah. we two our two of our therapists laura and lauren who was both been on the show before are fucking obsessed with taylor swift that's what i was <laughs> thinking so you're like she bought us tickets to taylor swift and then you like stopped talking i was like yeah and you're like so i can't record i was like oh, okay <laughs> i get the day off no problem baby we're in um, <laughs> this we're is totally, a very last minute recording totally in it's really funny because oh, this goes back to the Reddit thread, which is that Phoebe Bridgers, who's one of my favorite singers, opened up for Taylor Swift. And I would have paid a jillion dollars to see her. Like, I didn't know that was included. But then I like was like, oh, I got to show you this Reddit video about Pharrell when Phoebe was a cop. It's like, I, you can find amazing shit on Reddit. That is you can. all um saying. And I think that Emily is slowly <laughs> trying to convert me to Reddit and everyone listening, because I don't know if you know, she's off the grab. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if if you've heard. (laughs) Emily's off the grab. (laughs) And she's mentioned it. And I think I'm so much better than everyone who's still on, okay? (laughs) You know, just just the self-awareness, though, is... Also, are you wearing a jow fit today? Oh, well, no, it's black underneath, but you know I love my jow fits. Yeah. I am wearing a jean jacket. This is why people should watch us on YouTube, but, you know. Yeah. (laughs) Teach his own. (laughs) Okay. You know, it's funny. I'm going to wrap it. I got a really good pull it back in. Thank God. Thank God. I had nothing. I wonder... If Nicole was parentified at all, because wow. she was so quick about, I'm going to take care of all this. Wow. Sorry. She didn't know she was signing up to be talked about this episode. No, she didn't, <laughs> but she's the best. <laughs> well, hopefully she doesn't listen either, or you might want to warn her. But today's episode is about parentification, and we're going to talk to you a little bit about what that is, how it can affect you, some different ways that it could look like. We've talked about this word before, and some people really relate to it. Other people are like, what is that exactly? So let's go like a little bit diving deeper into this. Tell us about it. So, parentification is going to occur when parents look to their children to emotional and practical support rather than providing it. So, I'm going to look to my kids to do something for me as opposed to me providing it to them. This is like comes from like family therapy, different systems theory. Ivan uh, Najay is one of the guys, the founder of the fa- field of family therapy, whatever. There's a bunch of shit you can look into more if you want to hear more about this. But... It's a 30-minute episode, so, you know, just go with me. Okay, but there's two main types of parentification that's talked about a lot. One is instrumental instrumental parentification, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and one's emotional parentification, right? So examples of, like, instrumental would be, like, I have to, I'm the oldest sibling, and I have to get my siblings ready for school. Or I'm the oldest sibling, and I have to be in charge of housekeeping, different things like that, paying bills, attending to other household tasks, right? So that's the instrumental parentification. I am an instrumental part of the household caretaking for other people. Super, super common for people, especially the group in addictions, their family. Um, Also, first-generation folks. I'm going to talk about that a little bit more. Emotional parentification is basically a child's providing the emotional support to a parent. So what that might look like is me and my partner get into a fight and then I go talk about it with my child, right? I had a rough day at work. I'm going to talk to my my kid, right? So there isn't like clear boundaries about who's in charge and what's going on. So then if we like break down... I want to talk a little bit more about that instrumental to understand that, like, we're not saying all of this is necessarily bad. Sometimes it is necessary for a family system for people to change roles a little bit. So an example of that might be, like, adaptive parentification versus destructive parentification. If, let's say, 
I have a sibling. Have, let's say I have two siblings. I'm in a family. One of my siblings gets diagnosed with cancer. My parents have to then be with that sibling while doing treatment. I might end up taking on more of the tasks, a household task. That's adaptive. I'm going to adapt to the crisis that's happening within my family. That is not necessarily a problem or some negative thing. It's really just the way that it happened and we adapted to it. And sometimes it's still hard coming out of that, but it's not the same as my parents constantly saying, I have to do A, B, and C. We just adapted to it as a family system, if that makes sense. A really good example of this might be, let's say you're a first generation person. You're the only person who's um, who has like really comprehensive English skills. So let's say you end up going to, you have to go to the DMV and you help translate for your parents. So that's what I mean about like, sometimes this isn't our parents are so horrible. It's just the way the family system it had to adapt. As opposed to destructive parentification, where let's say I have a parent, let's say I have a single parent who's dating, goes on these dates and comes home and tells me about it, how like it, bad it was or my sex life and stuff like that. That's destructive parentification in an appropriate way. So those are some examples to sort of break down like what parentification is. And there's a lot of reasons why this ends up happening, right? So let's say that I have a parent with a medical illness or substance use um, disorder. That means I have to step up a little bit more. Let's say a parent who's disabled, has serious medical condition, any of these things. Let's say I have a parent who doesn't have sufficient emotional support from other adults. If a parent is really isolated. And this could happen if you're in a first-generation family where your parents came here and did then not have community here. Let's say I have a parent who experienced neglect or abuse as a child and doesn't know how to parent or what that family system should look like. And there's lots of different things. Let's say a family ends up some having some type of crisis, like financial crisis, and all of a sudden I know all about my family's finances. Children actually aren't supposed to know all about your finances. It's really good to teach children about finances. It's good that they should be informed about finances, but they should not be taking on the full stress around finances, if that makes sense. So here's the dangers of it. Like, what can really happen? A friend of my children can have anxiety, they can have depression, they can have suicidal thoughts, um, they can have compulsive overworking situation. We don't know anything about that, Jen. Um, they can have <laughs> feelings what? of guilt. Yes, any of those. Socialization, feelings of guilt and shame, struggling to fit in with their peers in some ways because they've been predified, they feel a little bit older. And all of that can also result in physical symptoms, right? Such as headaches, stomach aches, different things like that. Long-term effects of parentification, difficulty Tr trusting other Trump people. Roll. <laughs> difficulty Tr trusting other people. I know everyone listening is like, what is the long-term oh, effects? No. This is going to be what tells me. Inability to trust other people, um, higher chance of chronic physical illness, actually. Um, inappropriate sense of entitlement or authority. You've just at a greater risk for all things, anxiety, depression, substance use, all that involvement sometimes in unhealthy relationships like codependent relationships or if i grew up with uh, with a parent who was always struggling with their mental health or substance abuse i might end up picking a partner that does that same thing because that's now that's how i know how to care for others and so that is in my very quick talking predification well did i explain it it explained it beautifully <laughs> the thing that i love about that explanation is you know i think a lot of people stay away from saying, oh, well, my parents didn't take care of me or they didn't give me what I needed because there is this worry about villainizing your caretakers in some way. And the, the thing that I love about that explanation is that it really helped 
put things in perspective of that this just happens when a family system is struggling with certain things, right? doesn't mean that your parents were bad. Maybe they didn't learn, you know, boundaries from their parents. And so that that way of explaining explaining it is so non-pathologizing. And so you could be parentified and maybe you were parentified growing up because of the circumstances. Anyone else feeling like the mental load of making dinner, the planning, the shopping, the prep, figuring out the timing? It's a little heavy to carry, huh? Same. That's why I am so grateful for Hungry Root. The food quality, simple recipes, true tastiness, and delivery right to my door is truly a game changer. When getting started, you take a fun, short quiz and Hungry Root will get to know you, what you like to eat, and more. Then they'll build you a personalized cart with all your grocery needs for the week and give you delicious recipe recommendations to put those groceries to use. So you can sit back, relax, and offload the many steps of meal planning. Each order is fully customizable so you can take their suggestions or choose anything you want. They've got fresh produce, high-quality meat and seafood, healthy snacks, smoothies, sweets, ready meals, kids' snacks and meals, vitamins, supplements, much more. My favorite item from my latest box was the honey citrus chopped salad, lemon pepper chicken, and the four cheese tortellini. you got to try it for yourself. Everything from Hungry Root follows a simple standard. It's got to taste good, be quick to make, and contain whole trusted ingredients. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Shrink Chicks listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash ShrinkChicks to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash ShrinkChicks. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. I am thrilled that the weather is finally warming up here in Philly. I went to switch out my closet the other day from my fall winter wear to my spring summer wear and noticed that I very much needed a refresh. So thank goodness for Quince that allows me to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I refresh my closet with the high-waisted linen shorts that come in multiple colors and patterns, the comfiest cotton tees, and my latest favorite, the smocked mini dress. And don't miss out on their accessories. Quince has the coolest sunglasses and 14 karat gold jewelry to complete any look. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, making me feel even better about my purchases. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash shrinkchicks for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash shrinkchicks to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash shrinkchicks. I was talking to my dad this weekend and he told me when he was 10 years old, him and his friend took the bus to New York City (laughs) to see the World's Fair with just the two of them. 10 years old. And because it was normal. To do because that, right? it, it was normal and and so it, it's, if my daughter tried to do that now <laughs> right for the world fair is not a thing anymore is that you're right but but you know it just made me think about 
how normal certain things were at such a young age. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you're in our generation and you grew up with parents who maybe did things like that or were allowed to do things like, you know, that the things that they were permitting or were, were so, you know, based on what they grew up with. Yeah. And so that was just shocking to me. I mean, that's insane. Ten years old. Ten years old. I don't even know how to use the bus now. (laughs) Wait. Wait, I tried to get I tried to teach you how to use the bus in Philly Airport and you could not get it. No, I've been on the bus. I have to say I've been on the bus since. But it took me some time. I had to do some research. It's intimidating to use public transportation when you don't know how to use it. It really can because you're like, is this the right side? No, no. Especially, well, Philadelphia yeah, yeah. public transportation sucks. Yeah, it's also te- you, there, it's just terrifying. It's just terrible. There's lots of other but better public transportation. Not in Philadelphia. But it is insane to think about a 10-year-old doing that. But that was normalized, right? I mean, think about, you know, we live in this country right now that for some reason is repealing all the child labor laws. That's problematic. Larger conversation around that. But it was fucking normal for kids to be working at seven, eight year night and through the night. Right? <laughs> like it's so wild to think about. And then you're like, all right, so was that parent? I mean, it's a form of parentification. Yes, but there's also everyone else who's doing it. So is this normalized thing? So it gets into like what is our and this is a you know conversation we've had before is like what's our psychobabble? language yeah and what is generational divide yeah and you know because i've talked to my we were having a whole conversation about it where i was just like i was shocked and he was just like yeah that's just like what you did and you don't have a cell phone either right you're like going to new york no cell phone 10 years old it is just shocking to me so i think the generational divide is another big thing to talk about but but the the uh, kind of in the larger sense, the thing that I keep mentioning is that if you are able to say from this episode, yeah, I think there were parts of my childhood that I was parentified and I am feeling the effects of it as an adult, that that doesn't necessarily mean that your parents were bad parents or they were doing something wrong or that they didn't take care of you in other ways. Um, sometimes it's adaptive. Sometimes it's how they grew up. Sometimes it's what they learned. Yeah. Um, okay. So I want to get some of these questions since it answers some of these things we're talking about, right? So somebody had said, can this happen at any age for both the parent and the child? It can happen absolutely any age, right? So like, but like there's going to be a difference about, there's going to be a large difference of your parents get divorced at five years old and they talk to you about it first. Your parents get divorced at 25 years old and they talk to you about it. So we think it's, yes, it could happen at any age. And also part of it is like normal, right? So like, it's interesting if you see, um, baby boomers right now a lot of them are experiencing what's called like the sandwich generation where they are caring for their parents while caring for their children as well and so uh, caring for your parents when you're 60 years old is that really predification or is that role reversal so that's what you would have to look at but it could happen at any age but the outcome um is going to be really different what it when it happens in your life right like from a developmental perspective yeah. that 
if, you know, as a child, there are certain things you cannot tend to or care for your own needs. Yes. And so if you're looking to your parents to say, hey, I need you to take care of this because I am struggling to care for my own needs in certain ways, then you develop a way of, okay, well, now I have to, I have to care for my own needs at a time in which maybe I'm not ready to do that. As, as opposed to when you're older and you have already developed that ability is I'm going to take care of this or I'm going to write that I have more control over my life. And and so developmentally, I think it, it does make a huge yeah. difference. I mean, think about it this way, right? It's very different if you have a 10-year-old who speaks um, a different language and helps their parents fill out all their tax forms versus I'm 30 years old and I have to help my mom download an app. Right. Those are not the same things. Right. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Can you talk about signs that parentification is not serving you in adulthood? Obviously, we are systemic therapists. We look at relationships. So our first sign is going to be how what's happening in your relationships. Do I struggle to let other people come in? Some people become very aware of parentification once they become parents and they don't let their partner be involved, right? They feel like they know how to do it best and they're the only way. And that might be because they've been doing it for decades before becoming a parent themselves. And so is it getting in the way of some of your relationships? Do you struggle at work to take feedback because you're used to being in charge? Do you feel incredibly resentful towards your parents because of things that happened, right? Like you're allowed to be angry that you had a different experience than your peers. But if your parent, if you're, you know, you have a caregiver who got sick with cancer at a young age, that also wasn't their fault and intentional. And so I would say, like, in what ways do you see some issues within your relationship that could maybe go back to this? Another example might be you completely neglect your own needs and your um, own emotions because you <laughs> grew up. <laughs> Weird. It's not, is that resonating at all? It's coming a little bit personal now, but yeah, sure. <laughs> but you you neglect those things because you were never taught to listen to yourself. Like if no one was caring for you or your own emotional world, you were never taught to attune to your own needs because others weren't attuning to those needs. You learn to attune to other people's needs around you. Mm-hmm. And so that's another thing I would say is that are you completely neglecting also your relationship with yourself? Because in order to survive, you had to attune to everyone else's needs around you as opposed to getting those needs met from others. Um, So that is a question that I would ask yourself. Do you are you able to listen to yourself? Do you even know how you feel? Do you even know what you need? And are you able to attune to those needs? Mm -hmm. I really love this question, so I want to dive a little deeper here. Is it possible for a child to parentify themselves? I have great parents who preserved my youth, but I took on an adult role regardless. I would often involve myself in parent matters that they try to protect me from. Ooh, so why'd you do that as a kid? That's interesting. Here's what I would say. Children are sponges. They soak up everything. And you know, we talked, Emily talked about adaptive parentification and how it's not an overt uh, parentification that's mm-hmm. happening, right? That your family adapts to certain things. Um, we don't have an answer for maybe what your family was going through, but it's possible you felt something within your family system that was wasn't overt in a lot of ways. You picked up on maybe, I don't know, parent stress, um, mm-hmm. you know, with other things that they were not talking about. And because of that, 
you said, I'm going to take, I'm going to do what I can to take the stress off. That's how I'm going to stay connected to my parents is I'm going to uh, take things on myself. I'm going to handle this. And so that is, it's a good example of um, adaptive parentification in the sense of like, when you're a child, you are a sponge. Once again, it does not mean that your parents are bad parents or they're doing Mm -hmm. anything wrong. Um, You may have picked up on stress that wasn't told to you. And And in turn, to stay connected or close to your parents, you took on certain things that maybe uh, you felt would help take that stress off of your parents. And like, and when you say that, you mean like energy, like energetically, you can sometimes feel it too. Like it does not mean your parents were like fighting or making noises, like or saying to you, you need to take this on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How to reserve space for me when I parent my siblings and have my own issues. So the question is, how are you reserving space for yourself, right? Like if you know that you need space, are you like actually marking that off in your schedule and routine? And I think the thing is when you're caring for other people, it is actually difficult to have motivation to care for yourself because you're usually exhausted with the caregiving you're already doing. And so I would encourage you to make it not about like motivation, but more about like discipline around it or ritual or routine around it. The idea of that is like, you're not going to wake up one day and be like, oh, here's this time I have to do. You're probably going to be like, oh, what's the stuff I have to do for my siblings? Or what's the laundry I have to get? Or what's the other shit I have to do? And that's really helpful for sure. But what would it also be like to mark 20 minutes each day in your in your schedule or like, you know, three hours in one day, whatever works for your schedule. There's no right or wrong way to do it for you to actually create that time for yourself. And then what is that time need that's not just doing laundry, doing dishes, et cetera. Yes. And that's a perfect example of like parentification where like it might be a necessity that you have to help take care of your siblings. But, and once again, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. It just is at times. And for you to acknowledge that, but also acknowledge that you are allowed to have your own needs and take care of those needs at the same time is really important Mm -hmm. because you do matter and it's important to acknowledge what you need and what you want. And if you're so used to, the thing that's been adaptive for you is to focus on others, then the more challenging piece of it is going to be able to, is is blocking that time out for you and focusing on what you need. Parentified sister acts like our mom when our family is together. She's judgmental and flexible, dot, dot, dot. So. Let's remember empathy, right? So like clearly your sister was parentified. She somehow got either she got put in this role as mom or she feels like she should take it over. Maybe your mom um, is no longer with us, isn't around. Why is there some reason your sister feels like she needs to take on this role? So you can you can do a few things. One is you can say to yourself, shit, it must kind of suck to be her. She can't relax in a situation and you sort of have emotional boundary like a firewall. Two, you can say to your sister, hey, uh, you do so much for all of us all the time. And when we all get together, how can you have fun and relax? What can I do to help that? I love that because my question was going to be, what then do you do when your sister is inflexible or judgmental? Um, You know, when, when people are parentified, they feel like they have to take on this rigid adult role in order to be able to manage the roles that they're put in that they're not ready for. And so it might be the case that your sister, when she's around you, 
not because you did anything wrong. It's just the dynamic in your relationship that she feels like, oh, I have to take this on because I've always had to take this on. This is how I've taken care of everyone. This is how I've protected the dynamic. And so my question would be, what do you typically do when your sister goes into that role? Because it's all about the systemic nature of your relationship. And if you can recognize, well, maybe I fall into a childlike role when my sister's inflexible or judgmental. I get reactive um, or I, you know, am more emotional, whatever it is. Um, I fall into this uh, role where I ask her to take care of whatever it is. I would ask yourself, what do I do in those moments when she's in that? And is there something that I can change about the way in which I'm responding to her? Just as Emily said, um, is there anything that I can take off your plate? Is there any way that I can give you more space to feel like you can be a little bit freer in our dynamic? So we can't change what someone else does. We can change what we do in the systemic nature of that pattern. Did you know that billions of plastic hand soap and cleaning bottles end up in landfills every year? I used to contribute to that waste, constantly buying single-use plastic cleaning products without giving it much thought. But then I discovered Blue Land, and it has been a game changer. Blue Land has helped me eliminate the need for single-use plastic and the products I reach for the most. They are reinventing cleaning essentials. Their approach is simple yet revolutionary. Refillable cleaning products with a sleek design that not only looks great on your counter, but also reduces plastic waste significantly. What I love most is the convenience. With Blueland, I never worry about running out of cleaning supplies or lugging bulky bottles from the store. From hand soap to toilet bowl cleaner to laundry tablets that each smell incredible, all Blueland products are made with clean ingredients you can feel good about. I was blown away when I received my first Blueland order. I immediately filled the bottles with water and their tablets, which was so easy to try everything out. And the ingredients are clean, the scents are refreshing, and the packaging is just so cute. Blueland is trusted in over 1 million homes, including mine. If you you're ready to make a positive change for the planet without sacrificing cleanliness or convenience, Blueland has you covered. Blueland has a special offer for our listeners. Right now, get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash shrinkchicks. You won't want to miss this. Blueland.com slash shrinkchicks for 15% off. That's blueland.com slash shrinkchicks to get 15% off. A really fun fact about me that you might not know is that if I let my hair dry natural, it is a frizzball mess, which is one of the many reasons I absolutely love pros. I truly never thought that I would be able to embrace my natural hair texture. Ever since I switched to a custom hair routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Less frizzy hair, yes, but beyond that too. My hair is shinier, healthier, and so much more manageable. Filming the podcast every week makes checking out my hair unavoidable, and I have felt so much more confident on camera thanks to pros. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do. The custom shampoo and conditioner combo, plus the hydrating leave-in conditioner and hair oil, keeps the frizz at bay. It also makes for the smoothest blowout. People keep asking me if I got my hair cut or went to the salon, which is, of course, the highest compliment. Pros isn't just better for you, it's better for the planet. They're certified B Corp cruelty-free and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. I used this feature when I moved to my temporary house in New Jersey, back to my house house post-construction project in Pennsylvania. Environmental factors like water source is something that Pros takes into consideration with their customization 
location. So it was very cool that I had the ability to update my location. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin, and they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash shrinkchicks. So you get a free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash shrinkchicks. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash shrinkchicks. How to create new boundaries with parents you've had to parent in the past. Mm. And then there's another question. There's a few questions like this, right? So like the other one I'm seeing, um, Nikki does such a good job when she pulls questions. I know. She puts them in like great order. Yeah, she puts them in a very good order and she like goes through and like ones that make sense for the conversation. But um, quite a few people said, and then how do I handle the guilt associated with that, right? Like how do I switch this? switch this relationship system and and then also not feel bad which like you're going to feel bad at the beginning of putting any type of a boundary down prepare for that and also you can handle and live through feeling guilty and that just takes time to go through so the question is how to create new boundaries with parents you've had to parent in the past so i would first want to ask you what the fear is of changing those boundaries? Like what's the worry of what's going to happen if you don't parent them in the same way that you've been parenting them in the past? Um, Is it that they're going to, I don't know, self-destruct in some way, they're going to hurt themselves, they're going to, right, which can be a very valid fear. Um, But I think at some point, you know, for you to ask yourself, like, what is your responsibility? How is this responsibility or this role? How has it affected you? And what's the cost of being in this role? Oof. And for you to acknowledge what that cost is to yourself and to be in a position where you're always putting your parent first, right? That you really have to acknowledge what the cost has been to you in order to make the change. Yeah. Oh, and that's so rough to think about what's the cost, right? Because for also the cost, but also what are you giving up if you stop, right? For a lot of people, that is how they've maintained relationships. That's how they get um, external praise from their parents. It's how they get appreciation. It's how they stay connected is to do stuff for their parents. And so to give that up, that is a really hard thing to do. Right. Because like, what does it mean then for your relationship with them? Like, then does it mean you also have to experience the grief that comes with the fact that you didn't have the relationship that you necessarily needed? You know, sometimes the once again, the only way to stay connected to a parent is to parent them, right? Or is to is to be their caretaker in some way. Yeah. And sometimes we hold on to that role to not experience the grief of not having that parent-child relationship in our lives. And so is it the fear of experiencing that grief if you were to give that role up? I want to, I know we have a lot of questions to get through, but I, I'm jumping down to this one because yes. I'm really obsessed with it, which is how to regulate your own system during moments you'd usually step in and take on the role. And here is another conversation of emotional self-regulation and then talking yourself down. So let's say you're at a family event and your mom and sister start fighting. And typically, you would jump in to parent them to not fight. They act like siblings. You actually act like the mom, right? And so you see this happen and your body starts like maybe your chest starts to get a little tighter or your body starts to feel like I need to stand up and do something or I have to move my arms. 
And so you're going to say, okay, it's happening. This is it. It's happening. It's happening. Wait, that's from a fucking movie. He's like, it's happening. Like, that's what you're going to say to yourself. No idea what movie you're talking about, but I, I support I, you. I don't think. <laughs> why do I keep thinking it's Evan Almighty, though? I don't know. It's possible. It's possible. <laughs> that's what it's happening. That movie. It feels like Steve Crow. Oh, my God. It's The Office. It's from The Office. Gotcha. It's happening. It's happening. Okay, it's from The Office. All right. So you have your office moment. You're Steve motherfucking Krell. And you're like, it is happening. This is it. And you're going to do nothing. You're going to say to yourself, here it is. It's happening. I could physically sit. I just meant to move my, put my hands around my legs. I could physically put my hands down and I'm going to sit there and talk myself down. So I'm going to let them, I'm not even going to listen to what they're doing anymore. I'm going to totally start a conversation with me. And the conversation with me is going to look something along the lines of this. Here it is. It's happening. And I'm going to do nothing. Here it is. It's happening. I'm going to do nothing. Here it is. It's happening. And I'm going to do nothing. And this could blow up. And they could freak out. And someone could leave. And I'm going to do nothing. Now, someone listening to this is thinking, but my kids are there. Don't I have to do something? Take kids outside, go to the goddamn swing set. No, you have to do nothing. Oh, well, it's riling the dogs out. Great. Put the dogs outside. Go for a walk with the dogs. You, whatever excuses you tell yourself of why you have to intervene is not helpful. Oh, well, they're going to start physically fighting. Great. Call the cops. It doesn't have to be you. And that's so important to be able to take that responsibility off of yourself. And I think a piece of that is for you to be able to say, it's not my responsibility to intervene. And it never was. And that's that I think is going to switch a lot of the mental energy of like, oh, I always, you know, we just naturally go into these roles. And if you always felt like it is my responsibility to take care of my, my mom and sister fighting, like I, it, you know, I'm the only one who will do it. When the fact of the matter is, it was never your responsibility to do that. And so take that responsibility off of yourself. The weight that that will lift off of you when you can practice that over and over and over again. <laughs> I'm glad you said the practice part because you're not going to feel weight taken off no. the first time. You're going to feel like no. shit the first time. No, no, no. Is you got to practice it. This takes a ton like of practice. 22, maybe yes. like after the 22nd time, it's yeah. going to feel like a weight. <laughs> and, and here's the thing. You have to practice it in small moments too, right? Let's keep using the mom and sister example, right? So like your mom and sister typically get in a fight. Mom usually calls you to talk about your sister. And, you know, there, there's all these little moments that lead up to these arguments or the dynamic where you're being triangulated into that di dynamic. And so uh, a small piece of this might be when mom calls you to say, Oh my God, did you, you know, did you see what your sister did? Blah, blah, blah. Where you say, listen, I'm not talking about this. I am not getting in the middle. This is not my responsibility. It's another example. It's a small piece of the puzzle where you can detriangulate yourself and take the responsibility off you to be pulled in the middle to diffuse the anxiety in that relationship. That is not your responsibility and it never was. Um, okay, one more question if you're dear. Okay. Dear Emma Jane, because I want you to answer this one because I love it. Okay, great. How to handle if your in-laws do this to your spouse? Oof. <laughs> <sighs> so Emily wants me to answer this because I have to <laughs> answer this. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't do that. Me- remember last week when Dick Schwartz made you do? <laughs> just like it's just like vulnerability overload. Over do an here. activity that you really did not actually consent to. I mean, I consented. It was just like, how do you? Was you like, can't <laughs> say no to Dick Schwartz. No, 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 no. Now when you've read all the books and you've done all this stuff, you're like, I yeah. guess I'm fucking here and I'm just going to do this, right? I'm in. Everyone enjoy. <laughs> but also when I put you on it, you do seem to do well too. So how do you handle if your in-laws do this to your spouse? So I think a big piece of this is once again, what's, what is the parentification that's happening? I, in certain ways, uh, and I'll give you an example, in my relationship, my husband, he has to, in a lot of ways, take care of his father at times. And so in that situation, I am as supportive as possible to my husband because I know the mental load that he has to take on. I also talk to him about boundaries for himself and within our relationship because boundaries are so necessary at times in order for him to be able to take care of himself also. And so I think that that's a big piece of it is to also remind them how important their self-care is for them to be able to give to themselves also, because you can get so stuck in that cycle of giving and giving and giving. And so I think creating a boundary around your relationship and talking about, hey, you know, it's also important that you take care of yourself because it's going to affect you in other ways if you don't. Um, and be a, a supportive partner that just because maybe you did not have that dynamic with your parents doesn't mean that that's not a reality for your spouse. I think so often in relationships, we tend to push our own ideas about what our relationship has been with our parents onto our spouse. Like, why isn't it like this? As opposed to realistically looking at like, this is a different situation. And I'm never going to be able to fully understand what this is like for them. But what I can do is be as supportive as possible in this understanding that this is how it is. But to also at the same time talk about boundaries and talk about setting, you know, setting yourself up so that you can take care of yourself too. Mm-hmm. Ready for Dear Imogen? I'm ready. Dear Imogen, thank you first for all you do on your podcast. <laughs> I, we love it. <laughs> I learn something every time I listen. I need help with a family issue. I come from a very enmeshed family. When there are big events celebrating one of us, my parents seem to start a fight or make the day ruined if something doesn't go their way. I am pregnant with the first grandchild due soon. That's a big wait. My question is, she didn't say that's a big wait. I'm saying that. (laughs) My question is, how do I not let their emotional immaturity ruin moments of this time in my life? I don't want my child to feel the discomfort and I don't want to have stained memories of an event due to their inability to control their emotions. Thank you as always. Ooh, first of all, way to pre-plan. Great pre-planning. Way to think about this now, because you're right. They're going to fucking make some shit about themselves if that's the history. And essentially what you're saying is I don't want my child to experience what I experienced. And I think that is a beautiful thing to be able to say as a parent. And Mm -hmm. it's a very self-aware thing. And for you to be able to acknowledge, like, these are things that felt very damaging to me in these points of my life. I don't want my child to experience that. And so the thing that I'm going to say to this is boundaries. strong, strong boundaries here. This is something where 
I'm, I'm looking back at like, okay, so for example, if in this celebration, if like your parents got to like choose where it was or like what was happening, that maybe you create um, stricter boundaries around like, this is going to be at I don't know, a restaurant and it's going to be for two hours. And if you start fighting, then we're going to leave, right? Like that to make it very clear that this is something that has affected you and it's important to you to protect your child and take care of your child and not um, have them experience this. You get to have a little bit more control over the environment and how long you stay for. So if you've usually had these things at your house and it was harder to get people to leave, then you do it in a neutral place where you can leave if it's something that's affecting you. That's where I think boundaries are so strong and so important. And I, I love that. I love that we're talking about theme boundaries and you're sort of talking about in some ways physical boundaries. And I think that also goes into emotional, which is you might have to say to yourself is, these are my parents. This is the shit they do. And I can't be around it when it happens, right? So maybe in the past you tried to um, peacekeep. Maybe you tried to intervene. Maybe you got really reactive towards it. I would say if there's a possibility, walk away and they can do that shit on the side. Or you can set a strong boundary and say, if this continues, I'm going to have you leave. And you need to really think about, you're right, there is actually a really strong way of bringing the first grandchild in. And you might have to say, what are the boundaries I want to set up now? Right? So like, if I know that they sometimes take over, maybe I don't have them go visit the baby for the first week. Because guess what? You can say, we're not having any visitors, or you can fucking lie if that's what you need to do. And I know that that's not the best advice from someone, but I'm just telling you, your peace matters more, right? So maybe what you're saying is, oh man, it's a really a lot of RSV going on right now. So like the doctor really recommended no guests for the first week. Do what you need to do in this situation. But what goes back to this thing we talked about earlier, which is the firewall, which is that like some people are who they are. This is the shit they're going to do. And how am I going to protect my peace and take care of myself? And that is like setting in a like emotional a firewall up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, but hey, congratulations on being pregnant, bringing that first grandchild in. And it's going to so be as beautiful as you, you want it to be. And it's going to be great. And some people are always going to make some shit about themselves. And you get to make changes. You get to make. And you know what? Sometimes it does take having a child to be able to say, like, I'm going to set the boundaries for my child that I was never able to maybe set for myself. And it's, I mean, it is a really powerful thing. I found myself all of a sudden I can speak up and be so much stronger and so much braver. Um, we had a, Jen knows a little bit about it. We had this really shitty interaction that happened at the park a few weeks ago that m- left me really rattled. Somebody touched me in a way that I wasn't happy with. Everything is fine. But I would have frozen in the past when it happened to myself. It was so quick for me to intervene and react and to be right there. And so when you become a parent, it is in a very, very different way. And all of a sudden, stuff that felt impossible to say before feels a little bit easier. Mm. And I hope that that's one beautiful thing parenthood could bring her. It's beautiful. Yes. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode of Shrink Chicks. Thank you so much. You you got it. (laughs) (laughs) You enjoyed this episode or you think it would be helpful for a friend, send it on over to them. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, follow on Apple Podcasts, give us a five star. Check us out on YouTube. We are making funny faces. We look a little ridiculous. We're both in jowfits today. Uh, 
Um, uh, what else? What else we got? What else? Oh, if you're looking for a therapist, <laughs> we have a therapy practice called the Therapy Group. We have clinicians who serve a bunch of the United States. And if we can't get you in with one of our clinicians, we will give you a wonderful referral for a down-to-earth therapist. That's it. Did I miss anything? You did a great job. Thank you so much. And don't forget to grow yourself. You got to know yourself. We'll see you next week. Welcome to Raw Beauty Talks. I'm your host, Erin Trelore. Ready to peer behind the highlight reel and all those polished pictures of the world's biggest influencers and wellness experts, we're going to uncover what beauty, health, and wellness truly means in today's world. Warning though, there will be no surface level conversations here. As someone who really struggled with disordered eating and negative body image after trying to check all those be healthy boxes, I became a health coach because I'm passionate about redefining health and wellness so that it's less about the weight on the scale and more about how we feel. I truly believe how you feel on the inside reflects out into every aspect of your life. So if you're ready to go below skin deep to tap into a whole other level of wellness, you're in the right place. Let's pull back the curtain for some raw beauty talks.